0: We all know that tone matters, it it conveys meaning. And when you preach, you have so many different things at your disposal. It's why preaching is so different than writing. Uh, You know, words on a page are flat and lifeless. Vocabulary matters a whole lot more when we write, but things like pace, pitch, volume, the color, the tone, really matters a lot when we preach.
1: Every preacher knows Our words matter, but there's something else that matters for effective preaching, and that's our tone, or how we say what we're going to say. I'm Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher from preachingtoday.com, and I'm here with our guest host, Dr. Herschel York, and we're going to be talking about how to improve the tone in your preaching. Herschel is a good friend of Preaching Today. He's been a contributor for decades now and uh, consistently gives us great sermons and preaching skills articles. He is a professor of preaching at Southern Seminary. He's also the dean of the Southern Seminary School of Theology, and in his spare time, he's also senior pastor of Buck Run Baptist Church in Frankfort, Kentucky, and uh, he is one busy guy, but Herschel, thanks for being with us today.
0: Well, it's my delight and joy uh, in the middle of all that. Uh, there's nothing I'd rather pause to do than spend this time with you.
1: Well, thank you. Herschel, you told me you've been preaching for 40 years, and you preach a lot every year. You said 46 Sundays of the year. You're in the pulpit at Buck Run Baptist Church. And, you know, I bet you're still growing as a preacher, so, uh, because that's just the kind yeah, of guy absolutely. you seem to be. So, so tell us, what's like one thing that you're, you're learning these days that you're excited about?
0: Well, I just finished a two-year series in the Gospel of Luke, and, you know, first of all, to stay in anything two years, you really have to work yes. hard to be good and to keep people with you, keep them excited and coming back, and I'm happy to say our church actually grew during that time, but, you know, I've been heavily influenced recently by reading Robert Alter's translation of the, of the Hebrew Bible, hmm. and he really shows what the author is doing, his selection of, of vocabulary, how he's highlighting things. And then my good friend, Abe Cruvella, who teaches at Dallas in yes. all his stuff, too. He, he's been influenced by author as well, I think. And he really emphasizes what the author's doing. So as I was preaching through Luke, to be able to see it myself, things I'd never noticed before, the way Luke, like to compare it to like a movie director, the way a woman is cutting carrots in the kitchen and she lays the knife down on the counter, the camera pans in on the knife when she walks out of the room, you know that knife is coming back huh. into the scene. Uh-huh. And Luke, Luke does that. Like uh, one thing he does so much is about banquets and eating. Mm. Jesus is frequently eating yeah. and, and he's talking about banquets and where you sit. And he's not going to eat again until he does it in the kingdom. And they're going to sit, come from the north, south, east, west and sit down. And then, you know, when Jesus appears to the disciples, I mean, after you've got the Passover, the institution, of the Lord's Supper, his appearance to the disciples on Easter Sunday, he goes, Hey, don't you guys have anything to eat around here? They bring Uh. him broiled fish, and he eats. You know, to see Luke bringing out these details, it just excited me. And uh, that's one of many, many things like that I saw in Luke. And to be able to get our people seeing what the author is doing, as he he's not just telling a story. He's he's a theologian. He's highlighting things. And man, that was so exciting to me. That's one area where I grow. I always need to grow in delivery, passion, getting rid of verbal bridges. Those things are incredibly challenging for me, even after all these years. So not only am I still growing, I still have much, much room to grow and hope that I continue doing that.
1: You know, we didn't, we didn't discuss this question beforehand, but I just knew this was a perfect question for you because I knew you're the kind of guy that is just a lifelong learner as a preacher. And so uh, you, you didn't disappoint me, Herschel. That is just a great answer. Well,
0: thank you. That's a, that's a burden off my shoulder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're talking about tone in preaching. I know you've written on this topic. I'm sure you cover it in your, uh, your coursework. What do you mean by tone? What, what does that encompass and why does that matter? Well,
0: I, I tell you, every married person for sure knows that this matters because I would say, honestly, welcome to the number one argument in my mm. marriage over the past 40 years. It's been my tone. You know, that I'll say things and, and, you know, we, especially we men, we want to say things and, and they go, now, what did you mean by that? We say, well, and we just want to recite back the words. You know, if you come in at the end of the day, maybe things are a little bit unkempt. The kids have left their toys out or whatever. You go, what have you been doing all day? And she immediately feels attacked. And well, I can't believe you come in here and you're negative like that. And then you go, well, what? All I asked was, what have you been doing all day? I'm just asking about how your day went. And we want to repeat that back with a different tone and act as though that didn't change the meaning entirely. We all know that tone matters. It it conveys meaning. And when you preach, you have so many different things at your disposal. It's why preaching is so different than writing. You know, words on a page are flat and lifeless. Vocabulary matters a whole lot more when we write, but things like pace, pitch, volume, the color, the tone, really matters a lot when we preach. And if you're, for instance, preaching in the gospel and you're offering people the free offer of grace, mm. and yet you don't sound excited. You're telling us the greatest gift ever offered, and yet you're doing it flat and lifeless today. If you would just put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can have joy just like me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, what's happening is the gatekeeper in the mind is is closing because people detect a difference in the content of the words you're saying, but the way you're saying it. And it's like if a guy walks into a a busy, crowded theater and he goes, hey, uh, there's a fire that's broken out and down the hall. You, you might want to leave, get your stuff together because uh, you probably got five minutes and the building's going to collapse. Well, I mean, like, people are like, What? You yeah. don't believe that. He comes in screaming, Get out! There's a fire! Uh, he's much more believable. And I just think when we preach, we need to think about what we're conveying and how we're conveying it by that tone. You can undercut the power of. For instance, the message of judgment and God's mm. rebuke of sin if you're fairly lifeless and not very passionate when you deliver it in the same way you can undercut the message of the gospel if it's not thrilling and exciting to you if there's not a passion, your tone has to match the content of the text and that that's the bottom line
1: yeah, that makes sense. How do you think you know you um instruct and coach and mentor a lot of preachers and hear a lot of preaching how do you think what are some of the most common you mentioned some but maybe there's others that come to mind some of the most common ways that preachers get the tone wrong
0: well a lot of times what we do is we step into the pulpit and we preach the emotion we're feeling outside of the text ah that's just a big danger if you've been in the ministry long you know that Satan shows up on Sunday morning in your home more than at any other time in mm. the week. And you can have a disagreement between husband and wife. And it's easy for a pastor to be preaching with an unresolved issue between spouses. And the preaching is influenced because your spouse is down there and, and you still feel this unresolved issue. And it's easy to let that emotion encroach on your preaching. Now, it's very human, but it's also very self-centered, and we've got to be able to lay that aside. So one of the things I think a lot of times young preachers, in the interest of what they call being real, are really just being self-centered. They're preaching their emotion instead of the emotion of the text, and they think that that's genuineness, but that's not. That's that's making it about you rather than about the text. And so that's one really common mistake that I see. I think the other thing is that for, especially for this generation, millennials and uh, Gen Zers, you know, they've grown up in a, a culture that is largely visual. They're very verbal as far as the written word, but they've not been that communicative personally. You know, they've grown up on, on texting and video games and cell phones. And I watched them when they get up in front of a crowd to preach, it's hard for them to be emotive at all. And there's a, a flatness to it. I went to a blogger's convention one time, all these brilliant guys whose stuff I'd read when they got up to speak, I, I was stunned at how bad
1: they were. Huh.
0: I was I I can't believe the lack of communication skill. Well, they're brilliant writers. They're so good with words, but not with delivery of those words. So we really have to make ourselves conscious of things like tone, volume, pace, pitch, all of, all of the full range that God's given us to show emotion in the pulpit.
1: Yeah, I know we're, we're not really getting into gestures here, but would you say like facial expressions, is that does that convey tone as well?
0: Absolutely. Well, it all works together. And that's the way God has designed our minds. Our minds are constantly judging to see if all this works together. So you confuse your audience. If your words are saying one thing, conveying one emotion, but your expression and your tone are conveying something else, that's where we make our mistake. That's where I think we've, we've got to make sure that we are, as my friend Abe Villa says, we're privileging the text. Hmm that we're letting the text dominate the communication style. If it's about judgment and rebuke, well, then our tone should convey that. And if it's about grace and forgiveness,
1: our tone and our emotion should convey that. I remember one of my uh, seminary profs used to say, he referred to a a preacher whose name I will not mention, but he said, every time that preacher talks about joy, I feel so uptight, you know? it's just. I feel so anxious when he's talking about joy. Doesn't match. That's
0: right. I one time saw a guy on television. It was a local cable thing. So it wasn't wasn't like a a preacher anybody would know. I knew him, but he was preaching on love one another. And he he looked downright angry. He said, I'm (laughs) telling you, you got to love one another. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, wow. If that's the way he tells his wife and his kids he loves them, (laughs) Uh, it's it's not going to be a healthy home. I've heard sermons where I totally agreed with everything said, and I still felt absolutely beaten up Mm. by the way the guy communicated it. And that's what we have to realize. We have that capacity to do that. I don't want my people feeling beaten up. And also I don't want them feeling happy about rebuke. Mm. There are those texts where we're rebuked for, our injustice and uncaring and our attitudes toward God, and and we need to convey that, but even Jesus pleaded yesterday. I did a one-off. I finished my my series on Luke Mm -hmm. the week before yesterday. I thought, what a great text right now where Jesus says, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And I thought, man, If there's anything that characterizes this year, it's that we're Ah, weary and we're we're burdened. And Jesus' sweet invitation: Come, come, man. Are you tired and burdened? Come,
1: wow, yeah. And
0: I just, you know, to preach that feeling, the Lord Jesus just offer us rest, man. We need rest, and. I don't wanna preach that angry. This is, this is Jesus offering tired, burdened people rest. Well, I want everything I do to convey that when I preach it. Sure. And it's, it's us truly immersing ourselves in, in the text.
1: Yeah, I would imagine also it's, um, we all have some maybe family of origin assumptions about how to communicate or cultural assumptions, like an example. So I was raised in Minnesota one of our core sort of principles of communicating is the art of understatement, you know? <laughs> and then I lived 10 years in Long Island, which is sort of the art of the hype, you know? Everything's yeah, overstated. Uh-huh. And you just sort of, you, you kind of go with the flow of sort of those cultural assumptions. And, and, and sometimes that doesn't convey the meaning of the text.
0: Well, that, that's right. And you've got to get beyond yourself. One time years ago, John, P- John Piper was at Southern, and he came in one of my classes, and I just began to ask him questions. And I asked him, I said, "Have uh, has there been a time you didn't feel like preaching and you had to preach? And he said, well, all the time, but I'll tell you about one one particular time. And it was one of his sons had run away. And mm. his wife, yeah. Noel was down in Georgia taking care of her father who was sick. Piper had the kids by himself and one of his sons ran away on a Thursday. And by Sunday morning, he still wasn't back. And John had no idea where he was. He's just feeling like such a failure as a father. And the last thing in the world he felt like doing was preaching. And I said, well, what did you do? He said, I told one other elder, only one, and asked him to pray with me. He said, I got on my face before God, and I begged him to let me preach this text with a passion that it deserved and my people deserved instead of what I was feeling at that moment. Huh. And God gave me grace, and I did it. That was probably 1998 or somewhere he told me that, and I've never forgotten it, and it's been reflected in my mind, in my life, many, many times. We all have these things happen that would take us out of what's going on in the pulpit and make, it, make us want to make it about us, but I think the call of the preacher is to really make it about what God's saying in that text, And everything we say, we want it to be consistent with that tone in
1: the text. Personal, how do we improve our tone? Give us some tips for how to make our tone more effective.
0: Uh, Number one, video does not lie. Oh, it is painful. You need to watch yourself. It will break you of so many bad habits, things you're not aware that you're doing. Also, I would tell you. One of the things that I've learned over the course of, of years of ministry, you know, I've been at buckrun seventeen years. Ultimately, that church is going to take on the personality of the pastor. Yeah, and so if you've got a church with a harshness, you better check yourself.
1: Oh, because they're yes. getting
0: that. They're getting that somewhere. But if there's a grace and a graciousness about you, it's much more likely to catch. Now, I, I, it's not foolproof. People can you know they can do their own thing and regardless of how faithful the preacher is but i'm just saying there's a likelihood that they're going to reflect the tone that they're hearing so i would say watch what's happening in your church how do they
1: communicate especially about things of the lord and the gospel yeah that's really good and like you said they won't lie you know that'll no. tell the truth i got one more question for you Herschel. you know we're we're in a weird season right now we're going to hopefully we're going to move out of this COVID season at some point. I think we will, by God's grace. Do you look to the next three to five years? What do you think will be the, or maybe even the next year, I don't know how far down the road you want to go, but what would be the biggest challenge that preachers will face? And how can we prepare ourselves? Coming out
0: of the COVID stuff, first of all, we don't know who we've lost. Mm. It's, this has been a challenge. You know, you've had people that have just, stayed away, stayed gone, some for legitimate reasons, some that started legitimate, but they've drifted. There's going to be a challenge getting those people back. At the same time, advancing the gospel. At Buck Run, we've had an amazing number of new members during this time. I'm stunned. If I didn't believe in the sovereignty of God before, I would now, because I don't know how anything we're doing is attracting anybody, Hmm. you know, technical expectations have declined so much during this time. Uh, You know, it doesn't have to be slick. It doesn't have to be, you know, just really well-produced, but it has to be real. Hmm. And I think one of our great challenges coming out of this is gathering people back and continue to make inroads of the gospel into lives because this thing has made everybody think about eternity, about eternal questions, there's such a huge division in our nation and even in, among evangelicals that we're going to have some real work ahead of us healing this, I yeah. think. And a consciousness of tone is going to be essential in that as well.
1: Herschel, so this is a great topic, I think, under discussed in preaching circles. So thanks for being with us and sharing some of your wisdom as a preaching professor and a 40 year journeyman preacher. Thanks for being with us. Well, it's truly my delight, and thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh, preachers, make sure you take the words, the words of God, and the words that you speak, and fuse them together with the tone that God wants you to have. So pray through that, pray to get to a point where the tone is also right. This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher, thanks for joining us for this episode.